0: This land is my land, that land is your land, or so says the fresh pile of stinky excrement sitting on top of the rock right in the middle of the trail. For the more reclusive misanthropes of the animal world, their waste does all the talking for them. Whether it's for sex, territory, or just to check in, animals can turn their ones and twos into A's, B's, and C's. Learn to read the signs in the scat on this, the Single Acorn Pot Scat. But first, a word from our sponsor.
1: Quit monkeying around? More like keep monkeying around. At Monkey See Monkey Do Acting School, we go bananas for primal fun. Sign up for our eight-week intro course and you'll learn basic aping skills from our world-renowned coaches, or go a little further and try our six-month intensive where you'll try your little hands in some method acting. Stop beating your fist against your chest and swing into something that's worth throwing your poop at.
0: Hey there, naturalists, and welcome to the Single Acorn Podcast. I'm your host, Professor Owege, and I'm here with Glenn. uh, And Glenn is a senior advisor with Burt's Bottom Line Border Scent Marking Fence. (laughs) So yeah, Glenn, you want to tell us about your work with Burt's Bottom Line Border Scent Marking Fence?
1: Yeah, it's it's quite a a mouthful to say, isn't it? It is. We like to be descriptive. We don't want there to be surprises. Yeah, so we... uh... Yes, as, as the name implies, we mark the bottom of fences with scent markings. We originally had we hired predators that had scent mark. You know, we had um, a wolverine for a while, but that proved there was a couple of lawsuits that, involved with that. So we eventually had. Um, and this is a controversial move, but uh, we had the, me and my partner had um, anal scent marking glands implanted in our own but- buttocks, and we we go around with our butts at the bottom of fences and mark the. Because you know you want to make sure a job is, is done well. You can't always depend on the animals. So we—that's true. We market. We um, have different capsules we can put into our body, basically, to um, have different kinds of effects. Whether you want to repel certain animals for your garden, um, some of them attract certain kinds of humans.
0: So it's, it's kind of like when you go to a car, <laughs> car wash and you can get like yeah, you have the choices or, of the yeah. <laughs> hey,
1: the scented or or maybe um, yeah, some of the soda machines these days you can get syrups added and so forth i it's really a,
0: don't see what's so controversial it's about a 21st
1: that. century yeah i mean we we encourage people not to actually watch us doing it because we're basically <laughs> yeah. scooting scooching is the word we use around on our buttocks marking marking but in the long run you know we've had a lot of a lot of good positive customer feedback
0: great what's your what's your little tagline do you guys have a, a tagline for your business the bottom uh the line at the bottom is our bottom
1: line it's we're still working on it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: It always seems like you guys are always lacking in your, uh, your marketing or your slogan. So I was we'll thinking of that.
1: bottoms up, like at first bottoms up, because then people could toast us, you know, with a cheer at the end, mm. and then we could like have a drink together. But people often don't want to have a drink with us afterwards. Yeah, and specific. technically, our bottoms are down when we're scent marking the bottom of the fence. Yeah. potentially we could mark other parts of the fence, too. I haven't really. Thank you for that idea brainstorming yeah
0: (laughs) that's what i'm here for it's a it's
1: a great it's a great gift it's a gift that i wish i wish i could give to my children (laughs) (laughs) maybe christmas
0: (laughs) Uh, all right well let's just gloss over that last (laughs) comment (laughs) so yeah so
1: (laughs) we can take that out right we can take
0: that out (laughs) we can do whatever we want so uh so yeah so uh what we're gonna do today is talk about uh poop and territoriality Most of what we've talked about this season is around poop, but uh, we're going to focus more on urine today uh, because urine is used far more in scent marking. Um, But yeah, so we're going to talk about how waste products have been uh, sort of co-opted by animals to use in marking out territories. And we'll talk about, yeah, both how and why they do that. Sounds great. Yeah. So you want to start us off? I think you have a story for us.
1: I was. I was told to to prepare a urine-based story today. It's a short one. It's a short one, Kate. I hope that's okay.
0: Yeah, that's great. I also Cause... see that you've sent Marked in the the background there. So <laughs> <laughs> I've sent Marked around today. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah. The neighbors were interrupting, so I figured this is the best way to have a quiet podcast. Well, when I, I worked briefly in this um, hands-on science laboratory for kids, and we would do classes for kids, and we had an animal lab. One of our classes, we would set up set out different animals. That, the kids can do experiments on, it doesn't, it's not as bad as it sounds. So it sort of give them different stimuli, yeah. <laughs> food and, uh, you know, things like a mirror and see what they did. But anyway, we had rats, which were kind of charming. And, um, a couple of times I was taking the rats into their cage and they would pee on me and that was okay. I, I figured they needed to go and maybe they were a little scared. Maybe they were trying to mark me as their territory. I don't know. But the third time it happened, I got peed on. I broke out in a rash all over my arm where I got peed on. And so I didn't know if I developed an allergy, but we eventually decided that that was a male rat and, and apparently there's a thing. Some people are allergic to male rat pee and not female rat pee. Huh. So I, I don't know, perhaps that was something to do with maybe males of some species have different chemicals in their pee, which they use for marking that females don't have or vice versa. A little mystery I'm throwing out there for our throngs of, re- of listeners to it, maybe. And I'm sure we have a lot of listeners who will be responding to this, helping me out with my allergy. I don't want it to get worse. You know, I miss my rats. <laughs> I don't want to just have female rats.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, we'll we'll get into this more, but uh, so when we talked about urine uh, back, I think, on episode one of this series, urine is composed of mostly water, but also salts and nitrogenous waste. And then some animals that use urine for scent marking will also incorporate other things in there, particularly uh, pheromones. And pheromones, are a bunch of different molecules that act as pheromones. And they're essentially hormones that operate outside of the body. Or they they operate like hormones, but outside of the body. And so they uh, elicit responses, physiological, behavioral, whatever responses in other in animals. of the same animals. species, or are different ones. And so... It's possible that in the urine of the males that are sent marking for territoriality or and we'll talk about the reasons potentially why they're doing it, um, that there's something else that some other molecule that's in there uh, that is particularly reactive for unfortunate (laughs) folks like yourself.
1: I mean, I was slightly interested in what other animal male animal peas I was allergic to, but I haven't carried out that a full experiment on that yet.
0: I've got a question for you. I've, I've actually got two questions. And so my first question while we're talking about urine here is, what do you think costs more to buy? A gallon of maple syrup or a gallon of bobcat urine? This is in the
1: U.S., presumably? Yeah. I don't know why I clarified by that. <laughs> there might be places it's <laughs> very hard to get maple syrup, for example. <laughs> That's true. The Sahara Desert.
0: Also hard to get bobcat urine there.
1: Also, most likely. Yeah, I'm not sure the bobcats range. I'm going to say, because of the way the question is set up, that it sounds like, you know, oh, we think surely syrup would cost more than urine. But in this case, no, it's actually the bobcat urine costs
0: more than the syrup. That's well, yeah, let's, so, so let's take a gallon. So how much is a gallon of maple syrup? Approximately. Let's,
1: let's say it's approximately $50.
0: Okay. Um, so, yeah, so I looked at average prices, about 50, 60 bucks for a gallon. Okay. So what would you guess for bobcat urine?
1: I'm going to say 100. 100. 100 but maybe so, it's like
0: a million i don't know i've no yeah, idea yeah <laughs> so you can buy it on amazon for 90 bucks a gallon
1: 90 bucks yeah so that's $10 off my price i'm wait i'm going there right now
0: <laughs> yeah and it's good yeah, for you've already uh, saved $10 just by being <laughs> misinformed <laughs> just in
1: this conversation <laughs> you know i save a lot of money that way and presumably you would use bobcat urine for uh you would put it around your garden maybe to keep away small deer Fawns, yeah you
0: can you can use it for for different uh things so mostly who it's oriented towards is towards people that are trapping and so you can use uh predator urine for baiting your traps
1: so it attract other bobcats or maybe all kinds yeah. of other predators
0: other other bobcats is that legal uh yeah so i had a, a game camera up a few years ago outside of a woodchuck's house a uh, little burrow, and they mate in the early spring, so they'll emerge in March and April. And this one, they have ch- uh, scent glands in their cheeks, and so this one, and they would chew at the base of the hemlock tree where the burrow was, and then they would rub their cheeks on the bark as well to get, you know, this really strong scent there. And one of the interesting things was I had the game camera up to try and catch this behavior, and then I wound up getting uh, deer coming up and smelling the cheek rubbings. I had, uh, there was a skunk that came up and would sniff it. My dog boots came up and sniffed <laughs> it. And so there are all these animals that were coming up and investigating. Any it. humans, any humans? Sniffing? Uh, I didn't, I didn't know. Surprisingly human. Well, I guess maybe not surprisingly humans don't have great <laughs> sense of smell. So no humans on there. Any other, gra- uh,
1: any other groundhogs or woodchucks checking it out?
0: No, not on that one. Yeah. What about a coyote? What do you think for, for coyote? How much, uh, for a gallon of coyote you're in?
1: just feels like coyotes are more numerous. Maybe they're they're clever, right? Elusive, as we know from the cartoons. Actually, the Red Runner cartoons are not that clever. But I, I suspect that they are clever. Many stories I've heard. Still, they seem more numerous than bobcats, so it feels like their urine would be easier. It feels like it would be more on the order of like $60.
0: Yeah, uh, it's, it's actually cheaper. So it's cheaper to get coyote urine than maple syrup. Oh, the maple syrup, yeah. it is. Yeah, 45 bucks a gallon.
1: Is it at all tasty? Is it something we could use to save money for our pancakes? I'm guessing not.
0: I don't know. Uh, You'd probably it'd be a little bit watery. I don't like watery syrup, so you probably have to boil it down. Yeah, (laughs) and that
1: would (laughs) have to factor that cost in.
0: There, you know, there are people that
1: drink urine as a medicinal thing.
0: Yeah, no, I know,
1: and I'm not judging in any way. I do not know anything about if that works or not. Yeah, if we have any urine drinkers out there, it's fine with me.
0: Yeah, urine supposedly when it comes out is sterile. But as soon as it comes in contact with like, yeah, if you're a male, the tip of your penis, then there's bacteria, there's bacteria on bacteria there, yeah. Fung- yeah, fungi and stuff. So uh, it immediately is not it's <laughs> sterile as soon for as an instant. The, <laughs> the universe
1: outside your body. Okay, well, yeah, that does limit its sterility.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. So actually, uh, that brings me to my next little quiz question for you here. Uh, speaking of edible secretions by animals. So uh, I want you to try and figure out what this is. All right. So this is from uh, an anthropologist, Robert Gray, who is uh, studying witchcraft uh, in Tanzania with the Mabugwe. I'm Uh not sure if I'm saying that exactly right. And this is a quote from uh, something that he wrote up about them. And it was a common experience to have smelled the acrid odor of burning hyena butter where a witch had recently passed. When these fragmentary experiences are put together, the evidence of the senses seems to reveal an authentic picture of a witch riding naked at a full gallop through the night mounted on a hyena, and carrying a flaming torch, which he refuels from time to time from a gourd of hyena butter slung over his shoulder.
1: Hyena butter. So, so yeah. I would think that would go well with the pancakes and the Coyote Europe, maybe. If so what's hyena cow. butter? Well, I mean, there are obviously female hyenas that would have milk. So my first response would be maybe... <laughs> It would be hard to milk a hyena, let's face it. I'm gonna take this back. I don't think it is the butter made from milk of a hyena. I think it must be some sort of scent maybe they leave some sort of goop as their scent marking that you can collect and <laughs> and and put it in a sort of like a butter tin. And it maybe it's very pungent that way. Good for witches, good for marking, scent marking if you're a witch, galloping yeah. along. Why do they have to be naked? You know, it doesn't it seems like a necessary detail.
0: Under yeah. the full moon, like just reveling and Yeah, I
1: guess. Yeah, it's freedom. <laughs> Exhilarating. I I, I don't know. I'm going to say it's one of these scent marking type substances from a hyena.
0: Okay, so you said goop. So where does this uh, goop come from?
1: (laughs) I'm going to say the. (laughs) Which orifice? (laughs) The anal gland. I mean, I hear a lot of anal. You know, I've never actually inspected an anal gland up close. I'm not really sure where they are. I assume they're near your, you know, anus. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. But I don't know if things then come out of the anus or if they kind of get ex- exuded out near from near the the anal region. I'm going to say the probably anal region, and they kind of come out. Make you know I'm a, I'm uneducated on this topic.
0: You're one smart cookie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll answer this in time. But uh, so there are two different ways of scent marking. So this is our little transition here, oh. and so there are two different ways of scent marking. Uh, or not ways, but two different materials that animals have on hand in terms of ways that can be used for scent marking. So urine and feces, and this is sort of where you know you're vacillating back and forth right. on number one, and whether number it comes two. out the front end or the back end, <laughs> um, and uh, or I guess not the the front end if you're a human standing up for biped is the front end or the yeah, back that's end. sort of a front and back yeah. yeah. So urine already smells bad, there, or at least potently, because there are waste products in there. There's nitrogenous waste, which is basically the breakdown of DNA, of uh, proteins and amino acids.
1: So it just means waste that's rich in nitrogen, nitrogenous waste.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then there are also salts and stuff uh, like that in the urine. We talked about with edibility of waste last week that uh, there's mud puddling by uh butterflies and moths where they'll drink up, lap up urine and fecal matter because of the salts that are in there. Right. Actually it's one of the reasons why for trappers that are using bobcat urine or coyote urine, it can be really hard and uh in areas that are higher in abundance of squirrels because they'll lap it all up. They lap they'll up. lap it all up for the, the salts. Thieves, squirrels. <laughs> Just like stealing yeah. from the
1: bird feeder. Only yeah. different <laughs> <laughs>
0: I also mentioned in the, the first episode that these are all plugs to go back and listen to earlier episodes, but animals that have higher protein diets, so carnivores, tend to have uh, worse smelling urine.
1: They have more waste, more nitrogen, basically. Yeah, there's
0: uh, there's a compound uh, for animals that have protein-rich diets called 2 phenylethylamine, And carnivores can have concentrations that are like 3,000 times higher than herbivores, and so it's this chemical, in part, that gives urine such like a potent foul odor to it. Is their poop their poop
1: smell worse as well? Is it fair to say? But is it the same same chemical or different
0: one? Uh, different one.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. It seems wrong that the number two, phenyl ethylamine, should be, technically. Yeah. <laughs> be poop, yeah. In my mind. Yeah. <laughs> Just the way I think.
0: So have you ever have you ever smelled herbivore urine before?
1: I mean, you know, at a farm. You know, there's, there's, it's around in the hay, right? Cow, urine. I guess in higher Horse.
0: concentrations, it smells quite foul. But if you come across in the winter, if you come across rabbit urine or deer urine, one of the things you can do is by breathing onto something, you can uh, volatilize some of those chemicals.
1: And they'll come up into your nose and let you know more about it.
0: Yeah. There's actually something called the uh, Flemons. Uh, it actually can be used to as a verb to Flemmen, um, but <laughs> the Flemmen's responses for a, a bunch of different animals have this, where they'll sort of bare their teeth and like stick out their upper lip, and they'll breathe incense through their mouth rather than their their, uh, nose. their nose, because there's this vomeronasal organ in the back of your mouth on the roof. Human, uh, humans don't have this. Oh, we don't have this. Yeah, I was going to try this. Darn it. Now, unfortunately, you I'm can't. still going to
1: try it because I think it would look cool.
0: Yeah. So so animals will flemmen uh, on uh, urine or scent marks to get a better sense of the pheromone. So it's primarily for, yeah, determining like reproductive status. of right. Yeah, but we don't have that. So
1: if, but if we breathe on it, I wonder if they make little bellows, you know, like for a fire, but for for urine where you can like <laughs> <and> squeeze <laughs> the Intrepid
0: it. naturalist.
1: Yeah. Like, you know, gives you a little better
0: airflow so you get a little better volatility that would be amazing maybe this could be your your next get rich adventure pick. i keep looking yeah. yeah yeah so uh herbivores have like really sweet it smells like pine salt, kind of it's got this very coniferous kind of smell huh. uh it smells very pleasant but then if you smell uh fox urine or skunk urine or you know one of the weasel urines coyote urine it always has like a very very strong Musty. musky yeah. yeah i have smelled some of, of smell.
1: that in my my minor tracking adventures, my amateur tracking adventures, I would say.
0: Yeah, so uh, so animals can scent mark with uh, urine, but then uh, they can also use their uh, feces to scent mark, and this comes back to those anal scent glands, and this is what the uh, hyena butter is, is these little excretions from this uh, anal gland, and... When an animal has to, to poop, it, you know, they have a sphincter that r- controls whether or not the, the poop is released or held back. And when it's sitting in the sort of last stretches of the colon, it's putting pressure against the sphincter, which then sends, uh, you know, fires neurons up to the brain to say, hey, relax this muscle and then it'll relax. But as it's putting pressure on that, it's also putting pressure on the anal glands that are right next to the anus if it puts enough pressure on them it sort of squeezes out little droplets of the scent and as the the little turd <laughs> the little log <laughs> comes sliding out uh, it's sort of pasted with uh, the butter. this the, the, d- the butter yeah the excretion, on the outside the secretions of the turd. yeah hmm. which is kind of gross and you can uh, you can look up videos uh, for veteran you know veterinarians of yeah impacted anal scent glands like if you have a dog, that's scooting around on a driveway, rubbing its butt. Oh right, I've seen it's, them
1: do that sometimes. Yeah, not often driveway, what that's,
0: yeah, often what that is from is having these sort of impacted, swollen scent glands that are not getting released. So like if you have a a dog that has diarrhea, it, then the diarrhea, you know, is it's not, it's more liquidy stool. It's not so enough pressure to, yeah, on the the scent glands. So they fill up and they medicine. just like
1: need they need to get out. They need to mark their territory. It's uncomfortable for them. They need to. Yeah. Get the glands. Yeah. Empty the glands, so to speak. Yeah,
0: and these are super common in carnivora, which is a uh, so class is the uh, taxonomic grouping for mammals, and then below that rank is order, and carnivora is an order, and that includes you know seals and dogs, wolves, cats, wolverines, weasels, all those uh, predatory things, and it's super super common for things in carnivora to have the uh, scent glands. Uh, scent marking behavior is, you know, incredibly common throughout the animal kingdom, but in herbivores, it tends to be less common. So there's also like, you know, animals can eavesdrop on other things scent marking. So if you're a top line predator, you don't have to worry about scent marking and giving you then, away. Yeah, 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 giving you away.
1: Yeah, so you have to be more, more subtle if you're if you're a prey.
0: Yeah. But there is even, you know, with within predatory communities, there's a hierarchy. So things like, say, a cheetah that is lower down on the totem pole below, like, leopards and lions. lions. If there's, you know, there are little scent posts uh, around an animal's range that'll mark and go to visit and investigate and see, you know, are there... Uh other predators here that are active are they breeding fe- females, other territorial males, and then they can engage with those scent marks, and cheetahs are less likely to uh hunt in areas where scent posts have been visited recently by other predators that are higher on the the food chain than them makes sense, yeah, despite
1: their startling speed, so most birds I think I understand don't really have a sense of smell, almost all birds, so they would not typically engage in any of this scent marking. Is that fair to say? Even though they're carnivorous.
0: Yeah, birds are... Uh, so there are birds like turkey vultures have exceptional senses of smell. Right. But a lot of birds don't, you know, completely lack a, a sense of smell. And so they're not communicating that way. Birds are using vocalizations. They also are arboreal where they're, you know, like um, if you are a red fox and you have a movement pattern that goes from your den if you have a little den and then it goes out to different hunting grounds you're gonna have these trails that you'll travel repeatedly they get worn down other animals will use those same trails and so if all the animals are using basically the same form of movement or the same paths of, to move through a landscape then it makes sense to use urine and feces as scent marks but if you're a bird and you're traveling across a landscape in at different heights Uh, of the canopy and also just using the full 3d space then it doesn't make a sense it's hard to make a
1: turd just float there in the air to mark your fly 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 path but there are of course you know there's the like ostriches rays running around i think maybe some of them just i'm just wondering any birds scent mark i guess what i was wondering
0: yeah that's interesting i mean the Yeah, you, you would think that there would be some sort of convergent evolution for those, yeah, ground-dwelling birds that are, yeah.
1: Maybe they just don't have the glands. Yeah. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I was thinking, uh, this is not to answer your question, but so for mammals that, you know, aren't traveling on the ground, but like squirrels that are using the canopy for moving, like red squirrels, which are fiercely, fiercely territorial, they will scent mark uh, on tree uh, on tree branches but they tend to scent mark always near the trunk on a branch that sticks out to the side, and so you know an animal is more likely to go up a trunk than to out on to... every any
1: particular limb it's less likely exactly to visit it. it's more efficient.
0: they're not scent marking with their urine though they're they have cheek scent glands, and they'll chew the branch and then rub with their faces, but a similar pattern, but using a different cheeky. structure mm. yeah, cheeky <laughs> <laughs>
1: maybe that's where that comes from.
0: <laughs> it's possible. Yeah, uh, and then the uh, scent molecule molecules that are are being used uh, to elicit again a response outside of an individual's body in a the body of a different animal of a different species or the same species. Uh, those are pheromones, and so pheromones are incorporated into urine and feces to communicate things to the surrounding world. Uh, and there are sort of two classes or there are two functional categories of pheromones. So they can either be primers or releasers. And primers have long-term impact. So for bees is an easy way for me to understand this. So um, I keep bees and we have a queen that lives in our hive and there's just a single queen. And she releases a pheromone that is unique to her. And all the worker bees in there are able to recognize that. And as long as they're able to detect that, they'll suppress the development of uh other queens and so if a hive gets too big then the pheromones from that queen get diluted and start making work, other queens and they start system. making other queens yeah and so that's sort of a uh it's a primer so a pheromone that has a long-term behavioral response where all the bees are responding to this like queen signal is what it's called uh, and then there are releasers that have a immediate effect on the individual that receives that pheromone. So this would be like if I open up my hive and, you know, if I'm harassing a bee or if I get stung, the bees will release, they'll uh, wave their abdomens up into the air and release this pheromone that smells kind of like bananas. And it's a a, a pheromone that's communicating to all the other organisms around, hey, this is, there's an immediate danger. Everyone on high alert. Banana, the banana alarm. Yeah. The, the would a banana monster. also
1: work? Like if you had a banana near,
0: would they be on alert? That's a good question. I don't know if the It's the like banana, a fun experiment
1: I, with a child. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> Send a child into
1: a beehive <laughs> with a banana and see what happens.
0: Well, so uh, with pheromones, so in these scent markings, we could think of, you know, an animal's uh, scent marking behavior sort of communicating these two different things. One, like a long-term response, like these primers, and then the other being like these short-term, short-term immediate behavioral signals. responses. Yeah. So, like a, a releaser, the short term thing could be like um, raccoons that are you know scent marking during a breeding season, and all they're trying to do is communicate, "Hey, stay out." And then there are other more complex ones, like um, mice in the genus Peromiscus, uh Will the male urine will actually uh, suppress the development of other individuals that are in their territory? So if they're peeing, they elicit this long-term behavioral response that suppresses yeah growth and development of other individuals
1: really wait a minute yeah a mouse pees and then the other nearby mouse mice do not grow as quickly it's like a giant what if they're all peeing around each other and they just all stay as children you know infants seems bad for the species that's harsh yeah of course there's many plants that do that right there's plants that inhibit growth of other plants but
0: yeah allelopathic yeah, um, I mean, I th- it's interesting because you would expect that the top dog or the top mouse in this situation, if it's, you know, for the male, would want to suppress the development of other males, males. right? But one of the things that's strange about it is that the females also, they are... They're stunted. They're, they're less, not less fertile, but they uh, produce... Uh, less viable offspring, um, and yeah. So because they're smaller, they have less energy to uh, devote to wow. to raising offspring. So I, you know, one of the papers that I read, I uh, I didn't find a specific explanation for this, but I would, I would imagine is if you're a male, you're of roughly the same size as a female, you're competing with food that female for, for food. food resources. Yeah, but if you could. If you could make the female smaller and less able to compete for those resources as a male, you could enhance your ability to be the alpha. And so you would dominate all of the other males that could potentially breed with those females. And so you'd be able to monopolize reproductive. Do they access. stay
1: stunted? Like they'll they'll grow, but they're just mature a little smaller. They're like sort of stunted versions of yeah. a regular mouse. Yeah. Wow. Nature. So many tricks up its sleeve.
0: Yeah, I was, uh, we were talking earlier about the uh, the hyena butter. And there's actually a, another. So this is going off of the two different types of things you could use for scent marking with either urine or feces. And beavers, which have a cloaca, which is uh, it's Latin for sewer. It's one hole for one hole. everything. All purpose. Uh-huh. All, yeah, all purpose hole. And beavers are interesting because they they'll scent mark, uh, but they are aquatic. And, you know, if they live in an environment where there's a lot of, like, it just rained here pretty hard, and so water levels went up uh, instantly. And so if they scent marked around the outside edge, then that would wash away pretty quickly. And then if they, you know, use their poop to scent mark, their poop is just sawdust, and they often just poop in water. It doesn't hold together very well. So uh, they have uh, glands that produce uh, an oil called castoreum, which is... Like uh castor pretty,
1: oil isn't that related to castor oil or not maybe not
0: uh i think castor I oil think i think castor bean which is a type of plant there castorium is an oil that's been harvested uh by humans for as a scent thing you can get in uh well i guess i was gonna frame this as a quiz but i'll just <laughs> i'll just tell you what it is so you can get bovverholt ba- <laughs> <Baver-holt>. don't speak <laughs> bovverholt so i don't speak Uh, I don't speak Swedish. I'll I'll link a video to this Swedish uh sitcom where you can just see these people talking about uh and one guy drinks it, and then the and then they say what it is, and then they're all laughing, and he gets this like horrible look on his face, and it's made from castorium, so. Uh, which is this? Yeah, this uh, like oily substance that beavers are scent marking with. They've been call ups. So what is
1: it used for when humans harvest it? Do they does it have presumably properties? Oh, yeah, so uh, uh, so for flavoring schnapps, yeah.
0: Oh my god! <laughs> one of, at least in Sweden is what uh, beaver bunghole schnapps. Baverhult is uh, <laughs> beaver yeah. hole. Yeah, uh, <laughs> sounds like it. They have functionally sort of uh, a similar thing that has like strong. So often there are like uh, proteins in urine that are these additive uh, sort of pheromones that bind onto the nitrogenous waste or the other things in there that smell strong to help anchor them or stabilize them in place so that those scent markings last much longer. So with beavers, they have these castor glands that operate in the same way that uh the anal scent clans in uh, carnivores operate to maintain a, a territory so they have you know limited resources along the riverway that they need to defend right and yeah
1: and they can't make the goop because the sawdust poop just won't hold the yeah it can't be exactly. beaver butter
0: yeah no beaver butter diet, wrong
1: that. diet for beaver butter <laughs>
0: Yeah. Probably all for the best. Yeah. So we've already kind of danced around this, but just to make it a little bit more explicit, there are two uh, reasons why an animal would use its waste products to communicate to other animals. Uh, And this is uh, territorial communication and then also uh, communication around sex. So if you're scent marking for territory and you come up to uh, a scent mark, Right. There's sort of basically three different options that uh, an animal might have available to it when it detects uh, fresh scent. So if it's fresh, the communication is don't enter. This is my territory. Uh, If it's not so fresh, then it's like, "Okay, I am kind of actively maintaining this area as my own territory, but maybe I have too many scent marks or scent posts to maintain. And so I don't have a firm grasp on this territory. So continue, but maybe continue with caution because there is an individual that's scent marking. Uh, And then the other last one is if it's really old, then that animal is either no longer there. So like say it's a, you know, beaver haul up. So they'll haul up all this mud and then scent mark it with their caster glands. And uh, if it's really old scent marking, then that beaver is probably no longer there. It's like a vacancy sign, basically. Yeah, it's a vacancy sign. Come on in, move in. So that's kind of the trouble with scent marking is that you constantly need to engage in it if it's around territory. If it's just around breeding, you just need to do it during the breeding season. But yeah, if it's around territory, you need to constantly be on your guard, making sure that you're updating the scent posts all around your habitat.
1: Now, predators territory, presumably, um, I mean, presumably they're warning or presumably some of the prey can pick up on these signals, right? Sort of know that there's a predator around, but that's okay with predators it doesn't really they're like yeah we're around but you're not going to see us coming at the last minute so we don't really care or you could go somewhere else but there'll be another predator there so you might as well stay here it doesn't drive away all the prey i guess is what i'm asking yeah
0: well predators tend to have much larger home ranges than prey do and so a predator could and does just scent mark the outside so um, like hyenas which eat bones They have a bunch of bones in their scat, which is really great because bone, especially after it passes through a digestive tract, it's like bone white. And so they leave these droppings all around and they're really white. So they're these obvious visual markers, but they do that around the outside edge of their territory It's the same with, uh, you know, other animals like lynx that don't necessarily maintain a firm, hard edge around their uh, territory. But as they're moving from one hunting area to another, they're more likely to scent mark than in places where they're actually hunting.
1: So it's more of a border zone.
0: It's more of a border zone, yeah.
1: And if you're a prey and you come across it, you might not even know which side's the better side.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: might <laughs> be confusing. There might be some clues.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there, there definitely is awareness. I mentioned this idea of eavesdropping, that different species are aware of other species' communications. And so, yeah, if you're a prey and you are aware of i mean this is what happened in yellowstone so once wolves got reintroduced in yellowstone the uh, elk and deer uh, and these other ungulates that had been foraging out in open areas along uh, the rivers where there's you know almost no cover but better forage <clears throat> those ungulates once wolves were in the area they didn't it even have to see the wolves they just had to smell the wolf urine so if they, they phlegmed, uh some of this, or phlemmed some of the wolf urine, then that would say, oh, there's something to be concerned about in this area. And so those ungulates were then much more likely to spend time in areas with cover where the forge wasn't necessarily as good, but they were safer from wolves.
1: It was bad for tourists. Bad for,
0: bad for photo tourists. Yeah.
1: Although they could take pictures of the wolves, maybe it should be maybe even more lucrative. I don't know. That's Depends true. Everyone the loves a carnivore. <laughs> yeah. Do they have any kind of device, like a? <clears throat> I'm thinking this is sort of a Star Trek type device, where it sort of scans, you know, boop, 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 and it comes up on a screen. What kind of scent marking is there? What species, sort of urine it was? And the pheromones. Do we have that technology?
0: Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, I think we talked about uh, before you, uh, on the last episode. or I think two episodes one was ago is when we talked about eating poop and then last one was using it as a tool and uh sort of using it as a tool to eat something uh kestrels and merlins the uh, types of falcons are able to see the ultraviolet light radiating off of right, voles right. uh urine and voles are one of the only you know mouse like creatures they're types of mice uh that will actively scent mark and they just pee all over their burrow systems and uh they, these predatory bir- uh predatory birds are able just to detect that, that and i just it. wondered if humans yes. if we had
1: developed the technology of instant identification of scent marking pheromones, i'm not sure there'd be a huge marker for it i don't know maybe there would be
0: yeah i mean the hunting industry yeah is, it's big you know, so and it's big so
1: another idea Teague.
0: Uh, yeah, wealth yeah, is just around me. the corner <laughs> 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 yeah yeah so we were just talking about scent marking with well I guess we talked about both with pack animals with hyenas and also with solitary animals like lynx so yeah it, it it's found in like a bunch of different styles of social organization there are like scent posts that are sort of these communal communal areas where animals will repeatedly go. And so you can find this as like the intersection of a trail where you'll have foxes, red foxes, gray foxes that are both using that same trail, also bobcats, coyotes. And so there will be sort of, you know, a territorial pissing match between (laughs) all of them. Um, And yeah, and so there are areas that are like that. But also for communal organisms, like um, with naked mole rats, you'll get these latrines where all of the animals in the colony, because um, as we've talked about before, you know, poop is a waste product, and so it's potentially super lethal. This is apparently one of the limiting factors on eusociality in insects in particular uh, is the ability or inability to get rid of waste effectively. Um, So naked mole rats, these burrowing animals that have, uh, you know, populations of 30 plus individuals, so they will... Uh, have a latrine where all the animals will Poop. go to the bathroom in, in the same one sort area. of part of the tunnel. Yeah. But they have these extensive tunnel systems that sometimes will link up with other tunnel systems from other naked mole rats. And so if they, you know, this, maybe there's an errant mole rat from another tribe that enters into their burrow system and then scent marks in there. If that other uh, naked mole rat colony discovers that there's an intruder or the scent markings of an intruder, they'll move their latrine to there over to, to, kind to, that it, area. to kind of plug it, to
1: kind of make a divide. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, or just poop like poop on you. Um, and a poop Yeah, wall. Uh, most scent marking behavior is to around territory is to avoid conflict before it can happen. So yeah, it's to more communicate, hey, we're here, and we're a rather large colony with a lot of poopers. So it generally, <laughs> you know, I I would
1: say on the human human level, it also keeps people away if you go. If you're out pooping in a lawn, except yeah, for possibly definitely. the police, it doesn't keep it doesn't yeah. keep them away. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so anyone's would, uh, considering it. It. Yeah, <laughs> there's pheromones in there that attract <clears throat> attract them.
0: Yeah, so so maybe Bert's bottom line: what you guys are really doing is just yeah, keeping your your neighbor, your customers, neighbors at bay. Yeah,
1: yeah. Good fences make good nature neighbors. Good fence yeah. marking. Yeah. So I have a question about the pheromones in the urine. So you're talking about how the anal glands will sort of goop out some of their their matter into the colon, and the, but it's not always there. It sounds like sometimes it's you know they will be poop without without scent marking, and then they will be poop with scent marking. Is it the same with urine that they can animals can sort of control putting pheromones into their urine for certain you know squirting occasions, and then not have the pheromones or save them if they just have to pee randomly, yeah. or is it always there?
0: um most of what we were just talking about it was all around territoriality but when it comes to reproduction which is not for everything but for you know many species reproduction is a seasonal event and so in that situation you don't want to necessarily be announcing
1: you can mate at the wrong time
0: yeah yeah so like deer which you know here in vermont are entering into the rut they are the females are receptive for about two days right and so once they start to produce like progesterone and these other sort of uh pre what would it be not prenuptial (laughs) uh pre maternal or prepartum there we go these prepartum hormones once that starts uh and estrogen um also in their urine once it starts entering into their urine system then males start to follow them around and males right around the same time they their uh testosterone levels increase like 40 fold or something leading up to the rut when they yeah and so what the males are doing is they have these uh they're called tarsal glands and they're like on their sort of knees like on the inside of their knees they have these little hairy patches where there are these little oily glands that secrete oils onto the hairs and then when they pee they
1: have to pee on their knees and like let it dribble off
0: yeah it's called rut urination i think that's rut urination is the name of it uh but they'll like sort of squat down and pee on their legs and let their urine drip down their legs i'm guessing
1: it's back knees because it just seems like it'd be hard to get it's a back (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. Type
0: experience. <laughs> they do like little headstands.
1: <laughs> it impresses, impresses. Yeah. That's the why dog. they actually have antlers yeah. to prop them up. <laughs> really big rack there. and You can just headstand for hours.
0: Yeah. So they'll, they'll pee on their knees and it gets on these scent glands, which again, stabilizes the, the scent from the urine. And before they'll do that, they'll make these scrapes. So they'll dig up all this uh, mud and stuff to make this visually obvious sign that they're there. And then they'll pee on their knees, and that pee will, you know, get in the mud as they're making these scrapes to sort of mark out their territory. So these are like seasonal events that are. Yeah, centered around a, a very small right. breeding. But presumably for that entire
1: season, all of their pee has this. It's not like they can turn it on and off with an individual. Like I'm going to pee over here with my pheromones, and over here just regular pee, in the same season. Sounds like. It's just kind of. Yeah, weird. I don't think so.
0: Okay. Yeah, apparently fishers can control the size of their turds so that they can use. They can like poop more often uh, and use that for scent marking. Um, it's one of those rarely chosen as...
1: superpowers. You know, if you're like around. With kids, like, what would you like to do? Fly and be invisible. Choose the
0: size of my turds. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it's very yeah, rarely it's chosen. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, a pig pen from uh, <laughs> peanuts. <laughs> Maybe somebody. I mean, and if you have chosen that,
1: if you're an adult or a kid, or did that as a as a kid. It's fine. I'm not judging. It's a cool power. it's Pretty cool. Especially if you could shape it into like topiary, into like little statues for toys. I don't know if
0: we said it on air, uh, air but you said the the longest turd was like 27 feet long. That was an internet rumor, or right? Yeah, 26. Yeah, and it turned In out to, to not be true. It was an art project. Yeah, it was right? some, some kind of... Yeah, fabrication by an art, artist. Um, but maybe that artist, their wish could have been to control this. <laughs> <design. laughs> for
1: anyone who wanted to break the record. Yeah, I mean, it shouldn't yeah. just be length, right? It should be shapeliness, pattern. I don't know. Exactly. There's this other criteria, I think.
0: So, so yeah, so uh, with sex for using urine and feces to mark out territory, uh, there are basically like five different categories of how animals can use that waste to communicate. And so one would be defining a territory for breeding. So this is like with raccoons that I mentioned earlier. So raccoons will travel in packs in areas that there's a high density of raccoons. They will travel in these little packs and they'll scent mark uh, in their territory. Uh, So they'll pee and then they'll, they have little anal scent glands that they'll rub on something. So you or I think it's just called anal genital marking or rubbing. Mm -hmm. And so they'll mark out where these territories are and it's the bands of males that are traveling together to mark out a territory. And inside of it, there are, potentially multiple females that those males could breed with. So how
1: many typically, I did not know this. I mean, maybe this should be common knowledge about raccoons, but they travel in little packs, little gangs, little bands. Yeah. During the breeding season. Just during the breeding season. Yeah. It's like they're a little posse. And then do they then fight it out? Like say they, they meet receptive female. Then do they turn on each other at some point? And like, who gets to win? Who gets to have babies?
0: Yeah. Within, within that band, there's the alpha, uh, who's the dominant. And, the other ones are latching onto like the alpha wingman. in the hopes that they can get some of the the dregs, <laughs> <laughs> I suppose to put it, not so gently, and yeah. uh, and so they'll okay. they, so it so the females have a really 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 narrow uh, period of sexual receptivity. So it's like the deer are two days, and with raccoons it's you know three to four days or something. You know, if you have multiple females within a uh, within a territory. It takes the it, the breeding uh, ceremony <laughs> or whatever, um, courtship, not courtship, but the post courtship, like uh, the foreplay through sex takes about, uh, I think it's like an hour or something like that. So there are sneaky males that can, the betas that are traveling in this little band of two to four raccoons. And, you know, while one male might be engaged in mating, the others can also sort of, you know. Hop oh. off and mate with. <laughs> oh, there's more than male. one
1: female.
0: Okay. Yeah, within a breeding territory. So if you do paternity tests, the alpha male isn't, isn't necessarily the... the. Yeah. And it's the same with uh, female deer, where if you look at uh, twins for females uh, when they give birth, you know, twinning is not uncommon. And uh, it's like a quarter percent of the time where the twins have two different fathers, right? So even if you have an alpha, the, you know, main buck in an area, he is not necessarily going to sire all, the ch- all, all of the, the ch- individual the f- females in that area.
1: Do the is this something that
0: happens in urban settings too these bands of raccoons? So when what time of year
1: might i see the bands of raccoons roaming
0: around? It's like march march, march or so in uh, april.
1: Do they get in fights, rumbles, you know, like the, the different raccoon gangs that come across each other and then there's a giant like group battle?
0: Yeah, definitely. This is like one of the most terrifying (laughs) things as a small child in in Southern California. Oh my god! Yeah, in our backyard, we had like a pretty vicious encounter with these raccoons, um, and one of the raccoons actually died in the battle. Yeah. How
1: many were involved? Total? About? It was
0: probably like four or five. Yeah, yeah. It was at night, and I was, you know, probably nine or ten. So I don't know the exact specifics of it it didn't stop you from becoming a naturalist (laughs) no maybe it just sparked my curiosity (laughs) so yeah so you could do uh territorial marking like the raccoons do you could also do sexual signaling so this is where your urine communicates something about your fitness Uh, with new world primates like capuchin monkeys this is kind of still a little bit of a mystery why exactly they do this but they do urine washing where they'll just pee all over their hands and feet and then rub it all over their bodies.
1: This does not work for humans very well. Does not usually. work for humans. Not, it's a well, niche mark. Yeah, it yeah. depends.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and so they're basically communicating... Well, it's a little bit unclear what they're communicating, <laughs> but potentially they're making them smell self, smell really strong of their yeah. own urine. And within a cool. group, the, the group of capuchins can recognize their own group scent. uh, And then they're more likely to urine wash if they encounter urine from another band of capuchins. Capuchins are potentially using this in the same way that, you know, a a breeding female coyote uh, would be using scent marking to signal their level of fitness and their breeding status. Yes, I'm receptive or no, or just yes,
1: I'm so strong, I can wash myself with my own pee. It doesn't yeah, bother me. Yeah. Look at me.
0: Do it again. Super gross. Super <laughs> gross. Give me some more
1: water. Just getting started. Yeah.
0: I, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but this would be like the third reason. So with deer and the scrapes that they're making, uh, one potential reason is to attract mates into a ter- territory. So there, part of the rut is around repelling other males, but part of it is also around attracting females. And so signaling. This is a breeding environment where there's a really delightful young buck. And then one of the really cool reasons I I think is uh, the last two I think are my favorite (laughs) different types of urine scent marking for reproduction. And the first one is to stimulate receptivity. So this is found in some types of rodents. So like porcupines in particular will do this where it actually stimulates the female to be more receptive. Not necessarily more attracted to the male, but physiologically receptive. So porcupines also have, you know, just a couple of days where they're uh, the female or no, it's a, a few hours where the females are receptive. So that reproduction Good could Lord. actually result few in hours fertilization for the, whole year. for the whole year. And so porcupines during this, the males are uh, they do this like totally grotesque little display where they'll stand up on their hind feet. They'll walk towards the female with their hands <laughs> like up, zombie. and they ha- and they'll pee all over themselves. Like a peeing zombie, uh, like a, yeah, that's
1: a terrible zombie. I would, I would not mate with that.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: of course I'm not it's a porcupine. good thing. You're not a female. Good porcupine. thing. Many, well, many ways, probably.
0: Yeah, so they'll urinate all over themselves, and they'll sort of stumble zombie-like towards the female, and the urine actually stimulates the female to be more receptive. So if you have just such like a, a narrow, if you're a solitary am, animal and you have a very narrow window where you could potentially breed successfully, then you want to make sure that when you encounter right. it works that out. other individual, yeah. it works out. And so do they
1: know, do the male porcupines know if the female is receptive or do they just try it out? You know, with every porc- a female porcupine they meet, they like go into pee zombie mode and they like stagger and they are like, oh, it must've been the wrong time female runs
0: away that's a good question i mean uh, f- females you know have mate choice in this where they can either yeah respond favorably or they have a back to their zombie quills. walk uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh no the stakes are high yeah um which uh, apparently the tip of uh a porcupine's penis is also covered in, in tons and tons of tiny that's little horrible. quills yeah
1: another yeah. reason i'm glad it i'm not a pretty bad. porcupine
0: yeah Uh, And then the last reason, which, again, this uh, could potentially be uh, my favorite way that it's used, is uh, reproductive uh, suppression. And so this is where the and I mentioned this uh, earlier in kind of a different fashion with mice, where mice in contact with urine of uh, the alpha male will it will inhibit their development, both in terms of uh, size, but also in terms of sexual maturation for juvenile mice. But uh, reproductive suppression can happen where in, like, pack animals, like uh, in pack dogs, so wolves and then... Do you know African wild dogs? Have you ever seen these?
1: No, I mean, I think I've I've heard of them. They're they're not domestic dogs who've just escaped, right? They're their own species, or...
0: Yeah, uh, Lyceon pictus or something. That's a different genus entirely from Canis. They have them at the Bronx Zoo. Mm. That's where I saw them in New York. And they have these sort of ridiculous, high pitch, squeaky little bark <laughs> noises that they make. But I, have with
1: this. <whistles> but I get scared.
0: Yeah, uh, in these packs, they don't all get to breed. So there's you know an alpha male and an alpha female, and they're a breeding couple. And then all the other dogs will not. Uh, whether it's wolves or pack of coyotes or the African wild dogs, the other individuals will not breed.
1: Not at all. Not even the dregs. They don't even get the dregs.
0: Well, not even, uh, and this is because of this reproductive su- uh, suppression. And so if all of the individuals in this pack were to reproduce every year, then the population would grow too high. And as a whole, they would be weaker and not be able to successfully hunt large prey. Um, and so the alphas their urine repre- or suppresses the sexual development of the juveniles from becoming uh reproductively active. Good so Lord. sort of like yeah. the mice. Yeah. And you know female urine can stimulate that development um but the uh male wolves or dogs it will urinate over female scent markings and so they'll sort of wash out that <laughs> wash the out females receptivity possible. uh this is potentially one of the reasons also why dogs uh will eat the poop of other uh dogs is to uh eliminate rival scent marks from other animals Uh, But it's kind of cool. So you get this, like, physiological response of animals where they're not developing sexually in response to an alpha that's in the area.
1: And it just has to be marking territory with that. It doesn't have to be peeing on the other dogs or anything. Just peeing around, and the pheromones are in the air, and they get suppressed. Yeah. Wow. Nature. Yeah, what a
0: gross, (laughs) wild world.
1: Alpha. Get to the top. Keep everyone down. Doesn't seem very democratic to
0: me. Yeah. Well... Nature's not democratic, so tough. (laughs) It's not a democracy,
1: (laughs) always. Sad. Well, it gives us a chance to. That makes our democracy even more special, doesn't it? It sure does.
0: Yeah. So I think that's, yeah, that's That's a lot of interesting. That's
1: a lot to take in. Yeah. I'm going to have to rethink my whole rat pee
0: um,
1: experience after that, learning about, because rats and mice, I'm sure they're related on some level. Maybe it was trying to suppress me, keep me from growing.
0: Well, yeah, what do you think uh, that says about that rats? Uh, assessment of you <laughs> as a rival I was competitor. Young then.
1: yeah I was still finding myself as a way I think it was a bold move I was definitely a little bigger than it was but it was unafraid
0: yeah there's I an episode it even more now yeah there's an episode of uh it's always sunny in Philadelphia where they go to the zoo and they're uh, they uh two of the characters are like super into uh the meerkats and then meerkats will like urinate uh, as a form of dominance <laughs> and apparently look each other in the eye i shouldn't get my zoological information from that show from, yeah no uh, it's probably very accurate but two of the the males went up urinating on one of the other males while looking them in the eyes is like <laughs> <laughs> a sign of territorial aggression or alpha status yeah.
1: again I, I would say for this entire poop and pee season um don't feel like as humans you have to try all these things out understand the animals better you know be selective at the very least
0: yeah i agree with that about what you try at home yeah great well uh yeah maybe we can leave it there thank you Uh, professor wiki yeah of course as usual all right cool well then yeah on the next episode we'll talk about uh how plants deal with waste yeah so we'll see you on the next episode
1: see you on the next
0: episode bye bye here's some advice from the animal kingdom good fences make good neighbors, and the best fence is a line of poop and pee right along your property line. Or how about this one? Don't post a profile to Tinder, just splash in a stewing puddle of pee to find that perfect someone. Okay, so maybe animals aren't the best to look to for advice. In our next animal, we'll look to the plants and see what they have to say about this whole poo business. Until then, we'd greatly appreciate you dropping a five-star review for us. Definitely helps us get the word out there on iTunes and other podcast apps. After leaving a review, head on over to crowspath.org podcast and get in touch with us through the Woodland Message Board. Here you can ask questions, suggest topics, and post fake ads that we'll read on the air. You'll also find archived episodes, online natural history programs, and lots of natural history content. All right, naturalists, that's it for now. We'll see you next time on The Single Equal.